Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Woo! Coomzy, things are going pretty well. Welcome in episode 34, 44 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm Tyler Uremchuk, and you couldn't have scripted it better than that, Cam. It's just, you, you couldn't have. I... I... I, I like I I don't even have words like, <laughs> like I can't even I can't even say anything. I've been sitting here like writing down notes and preparing for the past like forty five minutes, and I still have I just I have no words. Like I cannot believe that just happened. That's insane. It, we're recording this at nine a.m. Eastern, but that's seven a.m. Mountain. So I literally got up like six minutes ago, and that is not really an exaggeration. Um, and I look and Cam has done, he's not kidding. It looks like about an hour of prep on our, on our shared Google doc that we have for the podcast, but you're fired up and I can understand why the Jays are the first team since 1908 to sweep the Yankees in a four game series at Yankee stadium and never trail a game. Um, you all listened to the last podcast we had, you know, we, we said, if you can split it, that's fine. If you can take three out of four, that's even better. We really didn't even entertain didn't even talk about it. We didn't even talk about the possibility of a sweep. But no, we're it's... we're arguing. Basically, what it was is we're going back and forth, being like, "Is two out of two fine?" And finally, we're like, "Yeah, it's fine." Fuck Jesus Christ! <laughs> it, and it's funny because, like, heading into the series, I wasn't like overly confident. All obviously, no. but then they won that first game, and I was kind of like, "You know what? I can't see them losing another one." And then when they lit up Garrett Cole. Yeah. Not really lit him up. He left early because of injury, but Steven Matz outpitched Garrett Cole essentially is what mm-hmm. happened in game two. And I was like, yeah, they're not losing another one of these ball games. Oh. Like it just, it, it seemed like everything was just clicking so well. And I mean, we waited all year for a hot streak like this from this team where everything came together, where the offense, the bullpen and the pitching was clicking at the same time. And that's what we just got for the last eight games now. It's amazing how reminiscent this is of 2015. Like I was going back when I was writing the notes and I was looking back 2015 schedule and everybody remembers there was that key series when it was like mid August, they went into New York and swept the Yankees. And it was the first time they'd ever done that. So this in Yankee stadium would be what, like the second time they've ever pulled that off. Yeah. Third something. I don't know, but yeah. So they went into Yankee stadium, swept the Yankees and that came right after that four game sweep of the twins. And it was like, all right, like they, pulled off that sweep over the twins. That was like, that feels like a real game changer. Just like the last series against Oakland was team in the wild card mix, you know, completely jumped them in the standings and they go to New York and just 
kind of just feels like they 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 killed the Yankees season there. Like they just sucked the life out of them. Like when when Vladdy hit that dinger off of Chapman and they went around on the broadcast and zoomed in on the faces of like five different guys and then Aaron Boone. Like they looked like what the fuck? Like they looked like they had just been hit by an edible they didn't realize they had taken. <laughs> We got that. And then you also like they also crushed the spirits of the Yankees broadcast team, who was I mean, they were bitching about the home run jacket, how they were tired of seeing it. And it's pretty rich coming from an organization that plays the most annoying sound possible every time they get a strikeout. I hate it. Um, But and the the same guy, the guy who was bitching about is the guy who fucking says see every time they hit a home run It's the most obnoxious thing. Yeah, um, that was a lot of home runs, you fucking dorks. It's so funny to get under the skin of Yankees fan fans. Um, there's a guy I work with at TSN 1260 who is a Yankees fan. And he went off on a rant yesterday about how in 2015, Jays fans just got a little, a little, uh, what was the word he used? Obnoxious okay. and a little full of themselves. And I was like, okay, that's, that's rich coming from a Yankees fan there with the 27 rings shit you always have to hear about. Um, but the Jays com- complete the sweep. But not only that, they outscored them like 25 to eight, 25 to nine, yeah. something like that over the four games. Like I know a couple of the games got close yesterday. Nate Pearson gives mm-hmm. up a couple of bombs. It got a little tight at the end. The third game was six to three. Ooh, that one was a real nail biter. <laughs> but like for the most part, the Jays were just in absolute control of this series from the first pitch on Monday. Yeah, I think I think the only one where I thought yeah, the last two games felt a bit tight. Like the first two, it really felt like they were going to win those two games. Like they, Robbie Ray was pitching the first game. Yeah, of course they're going to win. Second game, Mads was out dueling Garrett Cole. You know, healthy lead that was great. And then third game, they scored those. In, they scored those go ahead runs, one and seven, eight and nine. And then last game, they had that again another late game rally. It was just like as weird as it seems. It 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 didn't feel like they were going to lose any of those games. There's just like an air of confidence now that there has not been all year, and this is shocking because every game this season it feels like they could fuck it up. Like mm-hmm. when they were playing Oakland, they were up what eight runs, yeah. and Oakland almost came back, and it was like oh, that's not surprising. Like they could find a way to fuck it up, but this series it just felt even when they were only up by one or when they were tied in the sixth inning, it was like ah they're probably going to win, which is yeah. shocking. It's nice. And I, you're right. Cause I haven't been saying that all year, man. And, and yeah, it's tied. And I just, for the weirdest reason, I don't know what flipped or what clicked. And it's weird to say that a team takes a quote unquote step forward like this in the middle of a season, but you're right. Like they were not getting clutch hits earlier in the season. They no. would be tied against Detroit in the third inning. And I'd be like, well, they're probably fucked and not winning this ball game. And this series was just totally different and maybe the sweep against Oakland really did install some sort of confidence in in us as fans and in the team as well but yeah like even in the start against Garrett Cole I was like this close to tweeting out I can't wait for the Jays to light this guy up and I was like no because then if they don't like the tweet will look bad and it'll age poorly but like I was feeling that going into the game I was like they they're gonna I think they could beat the wheels off this guy like the confidence is at an all-time high because it's it just seems like every game somebody's coming up now and you know the, the lineup's deeper now that Alejandro Kirk is hitting that's so important and I mean yeah. it sucks that George Springer is not playing but when he does come back it just gets even deeper like I wrote down the notes mm-hmm. here like first game was the big Semyon day two home runs and then game two it was Alejandro Kirk's big day three hits and then game three you know Vladdy hits that 
huge home run the ninth inning. The bottom of the order is coming up. Jake Lamb, Gerard Dyson, like what? And then the fourth game, oh, <laughs> huge game. Like huge. They had they had three, you know, three three huge performances from guys. And then in the other one where they didn't have a huge performance from somebody, they get fucking Gerard Dyson scoring on a very improbable um uh, sack fly like it did not look like anybody no. should be scoring on that and 37 year old Gerard Dyson credit to Montoyo for pinch running there as well he, Montoyo had a fantastic series man he did like um, really really good decisions up and down when he uh when he put Dyson in there for Guriel, oh. I was kind of like I don't know if I'd be doing that like he's on third I don't know why you would need the pinch runner in that situation like it's only an extra 90 feet like just Guriel's probably quick enough to score on something. And then when you watch the play, you're like, damn, that's a good move from Charlie Montoya right there. Um, I thought he handled his bullpen exceptionally well, bringing in yeah. like Simber when he would. And Richards had a fantastic series. Yeah, I think uh, for as much as we shit on Charlie early in the year, and I get that it's a product of them winning. So obviously we're in a good mood and, and all the decisions are right when you win. But still, I think there is some credit to give to Charlie here. Oh, for sure. I mean, the same thing yesterday. Um they brought in Tim Meza in the eighth inning rather than yeah. waiting for the ninth inning. It was like, that's the best reliever you had available. And the save situation was the eighth inning. That's when New York's best batters were coming up. That's when the game was tighter. And then, all right, we have Nate Pearson for the ninth who scores some more runs. He's clearly like not ready for high leverage yet. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't, but they made the right decision there in the eighth with Meza as well. Like it's just up and down, like good decisions, which is fantastic to see because it's been so easy to just beat on Charlie all year for the dumb shit that he does. But now it's just, it was a masterclass in New York. Everything worked. It was unreal. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into three up, three down presented by twig and berries, where we got the promo code nation 15 twig and berries.ca free shipping in Canada on orders over $75. Uh, you, it, you know the show. We ain't doing any fucking downs. These are no, all positives not. here. Forget three up, three down. It was a four-game sweep. We're going with four ups, and we're just going to go through each game. Uh, in game one, Hunjin Ryu was solid. He went six innings. He didn't give up an earned run. He only allowed three hits, and he struck out six as well. That was a huge positive, and you already touched on uh, Semyon as well. I mean, two for five, five RBIs. Um, you know, the big guns came out that game, and that was a big reason why they won. Yeah, it was really nice to see Ryu put together like a huge start in a key spot. I mean, yeah, they ended up scoring eight runs, but five of them were in the ninth inning. So it was like for most of this game, it was Yinjin Ryu carrying a two nothing lead. They put up in the first inning going up against Jamison Tyon. He's a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. You know, he's not great, but he's pretty good. So, yeah, it was nice to see. This was kind of this. This was very reminiscent of a last year. Hyunjin Ryu start. It was six innings and then the only allowed three hits didn't walk a guy struck out six. It was like New York had nothing going the whole time. And that was just Ryu tossing the ball around, painting corners, fucking guys up, making the Yankees look hopeless. And it was such a nice way to just, you know, set the tone for the entire series. Just had them off balance immediately and felt like they never really found themselves after that at all. Game two. It was the Alejandro Kirk show, um, Captain Kirk. And I mean, this is a guy who the main MLB account was posting about him after his two home run performance in the Bronx on the season. Now he's got that average up to 273. He's got an OPS of 839. He has seven home runs and 132 at bats. Um, but man, I mean, you, you need guys like that to step up during a playoff race. There's no denying that Kirk has the natural talent and it was fully on display in game two there with the two bombs and especially with one of them coming off Garrett freaking Cole. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, it's, 
like I said earlier, it makes the lineup so much deeper when this guy's hitting. Like yeah. that's so key. Like you know that your 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 not not your big five new Marcus Springer's out, but you know Semyon, Vlad, Bo, and Hernandez. You know they're gonna put up they're gonna put up runs. They're gonna do what they do. But that's only that's less than half your lineup. So you need a couple more guys to kind of stretch it out a little bit. So there's not quite like a black hole. And now you have Guriel is heating up. Kirk's heating up and then all of a sudden the lineup looks like very 2015-esque. I know I just keep going back to 2015, but you can't not. It's such like, an easy comparison to so draw to, right? Right there. And, and it was the Kirk, last time any of us were truly happy. So Yeah. <laughs> and Kirk Kirk right now hitting like he is, it kind of feels like the Chris Colabello of that team. Like, <laughs> I mean, completely inaccurate comparison. Nothing yeah. similar about these two. Nothing similar. But it's just like that kind of random guy lower in the order who just comes behind your Bautista, your Donaldson, your Encarnacion, and just adds to the bottom of the order. and makes it fucking impossible for pitchers to get their way through. Game three of the series, it was a 6-3 win. Alec Manoa, you know, didn't have Gritty. his... Oh, sorry. Um, our, yeah, sorry, we are on game three of the Manoa. Yeah, one. Oof, I read the wrong box score. Uh, Manoa didn't have necessarily his... His best stuff, but he found a way to get you into the sixth inning, at least. Um, he did give up three earned. He did give up five hits. He only struck out four. It wasn't his best work, but you're not going to get that every single time out, especially from a rookie starter who's been as good as Manoa has been. But it's almost reassuring for me when a guy doesn't have his best stuff and he can still get you into the sixth inning like Manoa did. That's what I've liked about Manoa a lot in kind of recent games like as sick as it is like you know his debut at yankee stadium like seven scoreless or whatever it was and allowed like two hits like yeah that was fucking sick like but that's not going to happen every time now the league's you know going to figure him out a bit more they know who yeah. he is but the nice thing about him and this is what is so endearing about him as a pitcher is that even when he's not at his best like he wasn't he wasn't you know he was walking guys he hit a batter like it wasn't the best thing but he still grinded his way through and damn near put up six innings and if not for one really bad pitch to brett gardner that he smashed then he could have gone six innings shutout ball which would have been that would have been amazing like i mean if you had told me at the beginning of the year that we'd be in fucking early september in a playoff race and alec manoa yeah. comes out and does exactly this and showed me that line i'd be like yeah fuck yeah absolutely that's sick and then the other thing to point out about this game is how good the uh, relief performances were like simber coming in getting four outs three of which on a strikeout on strikeouts uh, Trevor Richards getting three outs, two of which on strikeouts as Huge well. Huge outs like, too, yeah. Like, holy shit. But Simber outing, like it's specifically that guy is a blast to watch. Like he gets so fired up. It's so entertaining. Even in, uh, while we're on the top of like, I love watching relievers get fired up. Like that shit so just, oh, it's so good. And even uh, Miza yesterday when he got that double play and they showed on sports night, like the close up camera of him, like watching the double play and like talking to himself and letting out just like the biggest fuck yeah possible was awesome to watch. Um, okay. RBIs in game three went to Guerrero, Hernandez, Semyon, and Jake Lamb with a clutch RBI. Yes. And in game four, they also got a clutch RBI from Bravik Valera. I mean, those are the clutch kings of this lineup, I suppose. There's something, uh, I don't know what's going on here, but ever since they acquired Jake Lamb and last time, you know, we were talking, he didn't about even him, know we, he was a blue Jay we were laughing. <laughs> you know, we're like, this guy's not on the team. He's not even real, but look at this. Jake Lamb's been in five games. Now they've won all of them. Eight, nothing against Oakland, eight, nothing against the Yankees, five, one against the Yankees, six, three against the Yankees, six, four against the Yankees. Like what, <laughs> what did this guy do? Jake Lamb, Jake, Jake Lamb is the answer. He is the turning point. Ever since he's been on the roster, they can't lose. Game four of this series, 
it was for a large chunk of it, the Jose Barrio show. And that was also fantastic to see. They went over on the broadcast again, like some of the mechanical changes he's made uh, since coming over to the Toronto Blue Jays. He pitches into the seventh inning. He strikes out eight and he gives up two earned and a total of five hits. Um, he was really, really good, though. And part of the reason you love having a guy like a Barrios, and I, I suppose this rings true even for a guy like Robbie Ray, is when they're on the mound, you're more confident in letting them go 105, 110 pitches like they did and letting him save your bullpen a little bit. And he can go deep and still be effective when he's at that 105, 110 pitch mark. Um, a really, really solid start from Jose Barrios. Yeah, this was why the Jays went out and paid the price they did to get this guy. Mm-hmm. Is Jose Barrios, you know, he's not an ace. He's not, he's not, if you're, you know, if you're a contender and Jose Barrios, number one, it's just, you, you know, he's not David, he's not, he's not David Price, right? Like when 2015, they went out and got David Price. He's kind of a different thing here. They got Jose Barrios is a really good number two, and he's an absolute fucking horse. Like this guy, since he came into the big leagues, is the type of guy who, is frequently like towards the top of major league baseball in innings pitch. Like this year, he leads MLB in innings pitch 100 and, 166 and one third. Like this guy's durable, never gets hurt, just can go deep into games. And that's great. It's such a game changer for a team like this with a bullpen, even though things are going a bit better right now is still quite shaky. So having a pitcher who can like, it, it would have been a more difficult game, both, um, for game three and game four after that, if they had to pull Barrios after six, but he comes out and does the seventh and that's huge. Like that's a game changer. If if he doesn't do that, you don't know if they wind up winning the, fo- the fourth game in the series, because maybe they had to use Tim Mesa in that game and then he's not available, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, all of this, all of this is like domino effect. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, Barrios' start was fantastic. It's also great to see him rebounding because he was pretty bad when he first came over, and it seems now he's adjusted. He's worked with Pete Walker, and he's figured it out. He's been really fucking good. Speaking of Pete Walker, I love the note you have here in this uh, in 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 our uh, in our show prep. First four game sweep in New York since '03. Starters were Roy Halladay, Calvin Calvin Escobar, Corey Little, Doug Davis, and Pete Walker came out of the bullpen in the finale. That's <sighs> You love to see it. it. Love it. You love it. Everything goes full circle. Time's a flat circle. It's amazing. That is three of three down presented to you by Twig and Berries. Check them out. Twigginberries.ca and use that promo code nation 15. The Jays now on pace for 90 wins, which is better than in 2016 to get there. Here's what they got to do. They got seven games this season against the Orioles, including a four gamer that is on tap six more against the Rays. Those will be tough ball games because if anything Mm -hmm. is going to sink this Jays run, it will be baseball games against the Tampa Bay Rays. I can feel it in my bones. Um, They also have seven against the Minnesota Twins and three against the New York Yankees. It's not an easy schedule, but it's certainly not a tough schedule. No, not at all. So there's 23 games left. 14 of which are against two teams that are very bad. The Orioles are damn near one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Bottom three, the the Twins are quite bad as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tampa, as you know, is good. But the thing is, is that if they want to get to 90 wins, which seems to be the cutoff to make the playoffs, it might be different this year because the Yanks and Red Sox are pretty good unless the Yanks just lose out for the rest of the year, which it seems they want to do. If they just if they take care of business against Baltimore, Minnesota, and go six and one against both those teams, they only need to beat either Tampa or New York once to get to ninety wins. They have to go thirteen and ten to get to ninety. I mean, obviously, you want to do better in the head to head against New York. You want to win that series or sweep it like they did here. But yeah. quite honestly, the Jays are in control of their own destiny. 
with 14 games against terrible teams. If they win 12 of those 14 games, they're probably going to make the playoffs. Well, right now they're a game and a half back of the Boston Red Sox, but they have three games in hand on Boston. So if you win your three games in hand, you're going to be dead tied with the Red Sox and they're one game back or sorry, half a game back of the New York Yankees with one game in hand. So if you win your game in hand, which you can say is the second end of the doubleheader against Baltimore, which you should win that right there, man, like you, you control your own destiny in this playoff race. Like you said, beat the bad teams, snag a couple of wins against the good teams, and you should be in the wild card game. And at this point now, considering this little run they've been on, I'm really hoping they can put themselves in a spot where they're not just in a wild card game, but they're hosting it like they did back yeah. in 2016. Cause I think that would be awesome. It's a game changer. That's, that's really the goal. Like you want to get yourself into a situation where you finish as the top wild card team and you're at home and you mm -hmm. can start Robbie Ray. And that's what they're lined up for right now. The Yankees go three against the Mets, a random one game against the twins, and then three against Baltimore, three against Cleveland, three against Texas, three against Boston, which will be huge because yeah. the Yankees and Red Sox go head to head on a weekend where the Jays are playing the twins four times. So right there that weekend, you need to four game sweep the twins because then it'll just guarantee you're gaining games on both Boston and New York. Yeah. What or if there's like a see, sweep, you're completely yeah. taking a team out of it. I think what we want to see is we have to pick who would we rather face? Would you rather face Boston or New York? I'd probably rather face actually fuck that's really hard. I'd Chris oh. Sale or Garrett Cole. Oh fuck. I forgot about Chris Sale. I know, me too, forgot. man. Oh, Chris, I don't even want to think about this. Never mind. Never the best mind. case scenario, the best case scenario is that Seattle. both those teams, it's tight or the best case scenario is Seattle. Um <laughs> The best case scenario is it's tight right down to the end and whichever team makes it decides to burn Garrett Cole or Chris sale in the season finale to get into the playoffs. Yeah. And, and or, you get like their second starter. Yeah. Or there's a chance, you know, maybe Garrett Cole's injured that too, which Give I mean, you never want to, never want to cheer for injuries, no. but that, that is possible. I, um, the Yankees also, like I said, will play Toronto and then they also have three against Tampa this year, uh, the Boston Red Sox, they have three against the White Sox coming up. So life's not getting any easier for the uh, COVID riddled Boston Red Sox. Seattle, they play three times. They also get six against Baltimore. So a chance for them to beat up on a bad team. They play the Mets twice, the Yankees three times, and then they end the year with a three gamer against the freaking Nationals, which weird sounds unfair. Um, but the Jays do get to end the season against Baltimore as well. That's also who they're playing up next before we dig into that series against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Coombsy, you had a chance to catch up with our friend Neil Keefe, who is always a just bag of sunshine when talking about the New York Yankees. And I would expect uh, this conversation you had with him did not go any different. All right. We've got Neil Keefe, our Yankees fan correspondent from Keefe to the city. Neil, what the fuck is happening in New York right now? Give me, give me your perspective <laughs> of what just went down. Yeah, I mean, certainly nothing good. The Yankees have lost uh, six straight. They lost four in a row here to the Blue Jays. They no longer hold the first wild card spot. They're barely hanging on to the second. Uh, this weekend against the Mets coming up, I don't expect anything good to happen. So I expect by Monday after this weekend, they'll probably be out of the playoff picture altogether. And uh, this is the team we saw in April, in May, in June, in the first week of July. And they're back. And they're back and even worse than ever before as they've just completely collapsed here and uh it's hard to envision them picking it up it's hard to envision them suddenly turning it around for these 22 games the offense is a disaster 
The starting pitching is banged up. Garrett Cole's out with a hamstring problem. Jamison Tyone's now out. The bullpen is just unbelievably bad. And their manager is among the worst in all of baseball. So there's not really any positives right now with the team um, outside of, I don't know, Gary Sanchez has hit a couple home runs this week. And I think that's the one positive and, <laughs> and Clay Holmes has been good out of the bullpen. That's, that's it. The rest of the, the entire team sucks and, and everything about them sucks. So this is, this is, this is kind of shocking to see because I remember pretty much in from mid August onwards, it really looked like they had turned a corner, right? So the trade deadline, it was go get Anthony Rizzo, go get Joey Gallo. All of a sudden there's two lefties in the lineup. That was a very righty heavy lineup. And it's like, all right, this, this is a lot deeper. And then things started to click and they won 13 games in a row. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the Yankees longest winning streak since the 1940s. Yeah. Yeah, that, it yeah. was. And so it looked, it really looked like they had, they had, they had pulled it together, right? It, from afar, it did. But if you watched all of those games, or even if you just go back and look at the final scores of those games, it, it really wasn't the case. In eight of those 13 games, they won by one or two runs. In only four of them, or I'm rather, in only two of them, two out of the 13, did they win by four or more runs. They were all nail-biting, grinded-out wins where they either had to have some crazy comeback happen they had to have somebody bail Eraldis Chapman out in the bullpen. They weren't convincing wins. Every single one of them went down to seemingly the last out of the game. Uh, it just wasn't what you see from a team that pulls off a 13-game winning streak. You think there'd be more convincing wins, more blowouts along the way. And if you compare it to what the Rays did, because at the same time the Yankees had, um, they went on like a 27-9-ish and -ish run from the All-Star break. The Rays actually played one game better than them during that time. And while the Rays didn't put together a 13-game winning streak, when they stack their wins, they're fucking blowout wins. They're winning by six runs, seven runs. They're giving their bullpen a rest days. They're be able to give guys days off. They are a great team. And when you think about what the Yankees did during from the All-Star break on, how many wins they put together, they weren't able to get any ground. They didn't make up any ground on the Rays. They actually now have lost ground significantly. That just goes to show you what type of winning it was. So, yes, a win's a win, and you'll take any win the way you, any way you can get it. But that 13-game winning streak was a mirage, and it put this idea into Yankees fans that this team actually is better than they are. This team is actually the team that was expected to get to the World Series. This is the team that could win the pennant. It's, it's not the case at all. It's the same team all season with the same problems. It's, you know, DJ LeMahieu has fallen off a cliff from the last two years. Aaron Judge, when he's not hit going, the Yankees don't win. Stanton has been, you know, hot and cold. He's had a good year, but like he, he doesn't have 30 home runs. He has under 80 RBIs. That's not, I don't consider that a good year for John Carlos Stanton. Gary Sanchez has been on and off. Joey Gallo has been completely awful as a Yankee. Anthony Rizzo, you know, he homered in the first two games as a Yankee. Then he, then he missed time with COVID. And then he didn't homer for almost a month. Like he, he hasn't been good. Glaber Torres is basically playing himself out of the organization Gio Urshela looks like the guy the Indians and the Blue Jays gave up on. Um, and, you know, who else is left? Luke Voigt. The guy was unbelievable, won AL Player of the Week, and then Boone sat him on the bench the next week so Brett Gardner could play. Now we have a top 20, 25 MLB hitter used as a pinch hitter every night. It's just, it's catastrophic how poorly this the, the team plays, how poorly they're run, both in the dugout and in the front office. And, I mean, even if they are to somehow hold on here and get one of the wild card wild card bursts, I know I told you the Blue Jays are 100% getting one of them, so they'll have to beat Boston out for the other one. Even if they do that, 
they're going to have to do this all the way to game 162. So there's no more like lining up Garrett Cole, who's hurt, by the way, for the one game playoff. They're going to have to use him as many times as they possibly can. And then you're going to get to the one game playoff, probably not have him have to pitch someone else. And the, the, the difference between him and anyone else in the rotation is vast. And then even if you win that game, now you go to Tampa, who you mm-hmm. can never beat, play him in Tampa where you never win. It doesn't even matter if they get to the one game playoff because they're never getting out of the first round. Yeah, that's that's that 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 that's the daunting challenge. I think all of us fans, uh, Yankees, Red Sox, and Blue Jays are kind of seeing right now. It's like we're all raw, 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 mostly for getting into the wild card, and then it's like, okay, right after that, you got to face the fucking Rays, who look right. like literally unstoppable. Yeah, right? yeah, and and. And on the other end of things, it's like the White Sox get to go in because their division is a joke and they're going to get lit up by the Astros. So it's going to be, you know, probably we'll see at Rays Astros again for the second straight year. And it, it's yeah. just, it's frustrating because while I've told you this all season, like the Blue Jays, for you guys, it's it's not really that big of a deal. If you miss out on the postseason, I mean, now it would kind of suck because of the run you've been on. But if you get in, you lose the one game playoff or you win it, you lose in the ALDS. It's like, whatever. You're, you're, you guys have a young core your future is you're you're not even in the future you know you're you're still ways away from being the team to beat whereas the yankees like this is their window i mean these guys are all about to either get paid or or be on the other side of 30 and suck and the window is just closing rapidly and they're not doing anything to stop it so from a from a from a new york perspective then i mean just ignoring what may or may not happen for the rest of the year. Maybe they get hot. Maybe they don't. Maybe they make it. Maybe they lose in the wild card. Whatever. Who cares? But based on what you've seen, like the whole year, like what is Yankees' plan moving forward? Like what do you do? <laughs> I I have no idea what they do. I mean, the first thing you have to do is the fucking last day that whatever that ends up being, unless it ends with a World Series appearance, the first move has to be changing the fucking manager because that idiot hasn't gotten any better at his job in four years. He just take, for instance, the most recent game on Thursday night against the Blue Jays. You know, the Yankees are losing by two runs. He brings in Andrew Heaney, who has been just an absolute joke for the Yankees. And he brings him in. He gives up four hits and two more runs. Then in the bottom of the ninth, the Yankees end up scoring two runs, which may have tied the game. May have, may have, they may have ended up winning that game, turning around everything, erasing a game off the off the Jays' run here on the deficit. But instead, he just keeps doing these atrocious moves. And I get the offense hasn't been there. It's hard to do that. But Brett Gardner can't be batting leadoff. You know, Joe Glaber Torres can't be batting fifth. He's a friggin' joke. He's terrible. And so the first thing has to be the manager has to go. His lineups are bad. He doesn't listen to the analytics department. His bullpen management is atrocious. He's got to go. Then it comes, then you have to decide what to do with Glaber Torres because the Yankees tried to get Trevor story at the trade deadline. And, you know, every major, uh, you know, MLB reporter has reported that they failed to do that. So it's clear they're ready to move on from Glaber Torres at shortstop. He, he can't field and he doesn't hit enough to back up his, to back up his awful fielding. So they need to go out and get Story or Seager or Correa. They need to make a change there. But then you're stuck because Glaber, if you're going to stick with him, then he has to play second. So you have to move LeMahieu off second. He signed for five more years, and he's a gold glove winning second baseman. So now you move him to first, or you move him to third and move on from Urshela. I, I don't know what they do. All I know is that they have a lot of decisions to make this offseason, whether it's, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine they would move on from Sanchez. I know a lot of Yankees fans want him too, but – I think he'll be back. I think Joey Gallo, he's under contract. He'll be back. 
Judge will be back, Stanton signed for the next 37 years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they have moves to make. I don't know what they do. They need to figure out their rotation. It needs to be better. You know, going into this season, planning on Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone being 40% of your rotation when the guys, but neither of them have pitched in two years, was never a really sound plan. So they're sort of getting what they signed up for. They signed up for a team that they brought back the same exact team from the last three seasons and expected a different result. And when Brian Cashman traded Sonny Gray away to the Reds for fucking nothing, he said, we cannot go through the next, the same exercise next season and expect the same result. Yet he has brought back the same exact roster since uh, pretty much 2018. And they keep failing and they keep losing and they keep coming up short and he does not make any changes. So a lot of changes need to be made this offseason. And maybe, maybe like you said, maybe they do get hot, even though the Yankees claim they don't believe in hot streaks, which is just crazy. Um, but maybe they get hot over the last here. 22 games. <laughs> yeah, maybe they get hot and they make it, and this is all a moot point. But as of right now, I don't know how anyone could feel good and think that anything is going to change here over the last three weeks. So next up for the Yanks, you guys are going to face the Mets in Queens, so it's going to be the Mets, and there's one random game against Minnesota that's kind of weird. Then it's off to Baltimore, and then it's at home against Cleveland, Texas. So it's a pretty light schedule. I mean, it's similar to the Jays. We've got 23 games left, 14 of which are against the O's and the Twins. And then later on in September, we have 28th, 29th, and 30th. New York comes to Toronto for what will, I imagine, be like three very important games. So we're looking forward to that. I'll probably uh, I'll probably give you a shout around that time too, and we'll see if, <laughs> see if times are better for you guys and if times are worse for us. I, I have no offense, but I do hope it continues trending in this direction. I don't see how it does it. I don't I don't see how it doesn't continue this. Like you just said, the, the Blue Jays schedule is perfect. That that could be four. Yeah. What you just said could be fourteen wins. Like at worst, what are they going to do against the Orioles in seven games? Six and one is like like I can't imagine the Orioles stealing a game. The Twins are horrendous. And yeah, the, the Yankees will head to Toronto for the first time in two years. And it's kind of odd that they played the first Blue Jays series in uh, Florida, Dunedin, and then they played them in Buffalo. Now they play them in Toronto. So a little bit of everything for them. But by that time, I mean, maybe the Yankees are playing spoiler by that time. I don't know that they'll actually be playing for themselves. We shall see. Well, thanks for coming on, Neil. I always appreciate it. Thank you, Cam. All right, there you go. That's that that's Coombsian conversation with uh, with Neil Keefe, who is always entertaining when he's talking about his New York Yankees. Um, let's get set for this four gamer at Baltimore. Up next is brought to you by DoorDash. Ding dong. BJN Pod DD is the promo code you need, and it gets first time users of the app twenty five percent off and no delivery fees. Uh, Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. We're thinking sweep, right? Like the Jays. It, Three out of four, maybe I'll be okay with, depending on how it breaks. But when there's a doubleheader on Saturday, you need to win both those. And you got Robbie Ray on on Friday as well. So you should you should win that game. Yeah, the Jays, you know, given the way things are going right now, you just swept Oakland. You just swept the Yanks. Like, that's so big. You can't go and lose a game to the Orioles. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll live with three and one. It'd be fine, but we won't be happy about it. You got to sweep this and you have Robbie Ray going on Friday. Like you said, that's a huge way to start. And there's the double header. I think the double header is actually advantageous to the Jays because as we've said, the bullpen hasn't been great. So these seven inning games are quite good. One of those starts we're pretty sure is going to be Hyunjin Ryu, which is great. 
And then it looks like Thomas Hatch is coming up from AAA, so they'll probably do Hatch. Maybe we'll see Merriweather or Pearson pitch a couple of innings, maybe? That'd be kind of interesting. And then Sunday at Stephen Matz, who's been really good recently. Yeah. Like, we, you know, it looks like April Stephen Matz again, which is great. And that's kind of what the Jays have going on right now is every single game, there's a good starter pitching, which is a key reason why they're on this streak. Best case scenario Saturday is Ryu goes complete game shutout against the Orioles. And then the second game of that series, you can just go like two, three innings of Thomas Hatch, two, three innings of Nate Pearson, whatever else you need from Julian Merriweather and bang, the bullpen's arrested heading into Sunday. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. And then same thing, like on Friday, we'd love to see seven innings from Robbie Ray, 19 strikeouts and fucked up shit, locks up the Cy Young, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. That's what it's all about. All right. Uh, we already touched on the out-of-town scoreboard before the conversation with Neil, but uh, the Mariners are hosting the D-backs for a series this weekend. And uh, as for the Yankees and Red Sox, the Red Sox start a series against the Chicago White Sox and uh, the New York Yankees. They're taking on the Mets, I believe, right? Yes, yes they are. They're taking on the Mets. Uh, Coombsy, you enjoy this four-gamer against the Baltimore Orioles, and we will chat soon. I most certainly will. Sweep them. Fuck them up. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.